Hello and welcome to Bit Party, a show where we take minor details from popular movies and use them to create ideas for new movies that we then sell to Hollywood for $4 million. This week, we try to make a statement on the duality of man. This is Full Metal Jacket. listening to bit party my name is brendan cotta my name is jared cotta and i'm marshall cotta back at it again yeah the three of us are uh, on another episode marshall how was uh, skydiving in indonesia fun as always <laughs> <laughs> that's what we say when you're not on that you're doing some ridiculous stunt yeah which you're totally doing um no but marshall you know this is a this is a very special episode for you. This is essentially the Marshall episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Brennan and I wanted to select this movie because it is one of your favorites. Will you tell us which movie we watched for this episode? It is. So for, for this episode, we watched Full Metal Jacket. Today, you are Marine. You're part of a brotherhood. Yeah, that's really cool. Good and what, what makes this one of, your, one of your favorite movies? I've always been interested in uh, movies about war. I think it's it's cool to see how the different depictions and how they bring in stories of of each character that they that they develop. And this one was really good because it had quite a few characters that they focused on throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. And so to flesh out those characters as much as they did and as well as they did was really cool about this movie. Awesome. I agree. I think this is a, a fantastic movie. And, and Brennan and I were looking back at some of the other episodes that we've done, and I think that it's, this is maybe one of our first war features. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah. At the very least, it's the first one that's an actual military movie. Yeah. I mean, it's great. And, of course, we're, we're big fans of Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> Am I saying <laughs> I know, that right? This is our first Kubrick. This is our first Kubrick. And, Marshall, what, was, there, was there anything I mean, I want to... We're going to go into some of our favorite characters and uh, our parts, obviously, after we go through the, the summary. But is there, is there anything else that you wanted us to know about this film? Or is there any special, like, other what, reason that you... Yeah, what special connection does this, does this have to you? Well, um, when I was in my last year of high school, I did take the uh, art of film class. And uh, I, <laughs> I was given the choice between a home period and the art of film class. But I was so glad that I went the, with the art of film class because that was his last year teaching it. Oh, really? Oh, wow. So I wow. got into that class, got to take it. And uh, this was one of the, I think, one of the like movies we watched sort of toward the middle mm-hmm. and uh, really grabbed my attention nice. for, for some reason. I, I liked it a lot. Before we get into the summary, as we always do, I want to know what you all are watching in your spare time when you're not recording or watching movies for Bit Party. I'll go first. I've been watching uh, a really interesting sequel to The Office that was made by Amazon. It's yes. called Jack Ryan. Okay. And it stars John Kaczynski. Jim Halpert? Yeah, but he kind of like, I assume he leaves his life, his boring life as like a Philadelphia sports whatever, and becomes a, a special agent. That works for the the government. Oh, I see. So yeah. Jim Halpert first he leaves Dunder, Milf, Dunder Mifflin. We know that Dunder Mifflin. <laughs> Dunder Mifflin. <laughs> that was a different office. I don't think we're watching the same office. <laughs> Dunder Mifflin. 
He leaves Dunder Mifflin, and then he goes to work as a sports agent. So yeah, some kind of sports agent in the last season. And then he becomes Jack Ryan. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'm waiting for like him to have an awkward interaction with, like, he runs into Dwight, and he has to pretend that he's not the person he once knew, because now he's a secret agent. I always expect him to, like, shoot somebody in the face and then look awkwardly at the camera. <laughs> As, he kills, as he kills another terrorist. I do hope they, they tie it into the original series more. <laughs> but in all seriousness, uh, you, you do like this show. But yeah. there was something that you were bringing up to me about how you think that it plays a little too hard to two sides of the uh, political spectrum. Definitely. It actually is. like it's, it's a beautifully made show. It's really interesting. It's fast-paced. I think John Krasinski and everyone else does a really good job in it. But I think they try to toe the line too much between younger millennials who are watching a lot of these streaming shows and also 50 plus who are the only people in america that read tom clancy novels i see yeah they'll make these statements that are showing what they're trying to say as an art piece uh-huh. but quickly cover their tracks right like, but that's nothing to say about what's going on in america this is fiction and we're in paris yeah yeah i see what you're saying mm-hmm. interesting marshall what, what are you what have you been watching I've been watching Blacklist. Okay. Oh, I like cool. that Cool. I've heard a lot of good things about that show. Yeah. Tell me. Kind of uh, almost noir style. It's really fun. It's also about uh, a secret agency. The The main character that they follow is uh, this woman, and she's she's having a hard time getting used to everything within the agency, and she's got this actually this criminal that she confides in and takes advice from. He he knows the mind of everyone that they're trying to catch. In the grand scheme of things, he's really helping them out. What so do they have kind of a relationship like uh, Silence of the Lambs with uh, Hannibal Lecter and uh, and Clary Starling? Yeah, and Clary Starling. Uh, it, it, it is almost that rapport. Yeah. Okay. Well, so he's like telling her that this is how criminal minds think and such, such and such. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I watched that show for a while. I thought I thought they did a really good job with it. You don't often yeah. you don't often hear the description of noir and very fun. Yeah. <laughs> as Marshall as Marshall did. It's true, you're right. <laughs> well that's right. because they don't usually have James Spader. <laughs> that's cool, Marsh. Uh, yeah. I am not watching a show about a CIA or FBI agent. I am watching the show a new show on Netflix called Maniac. With Jonah Hill and Emma Stone. Oh, I've heard that's really good. Yeah, I, it's it's a kind of a, a mind bender. Where I'm at right now, and I haven't finished the season, is they are test subjects for a very intense pharmaceutical, and they are kind of reliving some of their most traumatic moments. And Jonah Hill is going through like a mental breakdown where he thinks that people are after him and the government is crumbling and that he is like a secret agent. Oh, so really? I guess. Hey! <laughs> I guess I am watching something along those same lines. <laughs> Welcome back to Agent Cast. <laughs> Anyways, what's wh- one of the aesthetics that I really appreciate about this show is that things look kind of 1980s-y. It's oh. very futuristic, but their technology is like floppy disks and uh, like radios. Does it and take place like in that. the 80s? It doesn't necessi- explicitly say that it's taking place in the 80s. In fact, I'm pretty sure it does not. Yeah. It's supposed to be kind of futuristic, yeah. but at the same time, a lot of the tech looks uh, like more like an antique. Now, are we dealing with, with skinny Jonah Hill or a yeah. thick Jonah Hill? No, he's very skinny. Oh, really? He looks good. Yeah. Interesting. That yeah. man. He's like Christian Bale. A lot mm. like him. He's exactly like Christian exactly Bale. Like, I, they might be the same person. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I think it's, it's about time to get into the plot summary here. Yeah. Uh, unless anybody has some sort of other thing that they need to say. 
Brendan. No? Okay. I lied, it's not an office sequel. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to sound what? smart and funny. Well, you were neither. <laughs> Most of you will go to Vietnam. Some of you will not come back. I'm going to talk about this movie now, Brennan, if you won't, if you just shut up for a second. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. Marshall and you too. Show, show, show your mouth. All right. <laughs> so the plot of this movie takes place during the United States' involvement in Vietnam. It starts with a group of ragtag recruits at Paris Island, South Carolina, and they've reported for boot camp. I'm going to say this because I think that it sort of sets up the, the summary. This movie is almost feels like it's two movies. Yeah. It's very much a like short film first half and a short film second half, in my opinion. Even though the characters cross over, the tone, for the most part, is extremely different throughout boot camp than it is when we get to Vietnam itself. Oh, 100%. How tall are you, Private? Sir, five foot nine, sir! Five foot nine? I didn't know they stacked shit that high. So we're introduced to a couple of the important privates at the beginning of this film. That includes Private Joker, who's played by Matthew Modine, and Private Cowboy, who's played by Arliss Howard, who's, I don't really know much. I don't know much about Arliss Howard. Yeah. We're also introduced to Private Pyle. Now, let me clarify. These are all nicknames that are given to these privates by the very strict drill instructor, Sergeant Hartman, played by the famous Lee Ermey. Rest in peace. Easily the most memorable character in this movie. You will not laugh. You will not cry. You will learn by the numbers. I will teach you. Now get up. Get on your feet. I think it was an interesting choice that, like, Joker, compared to all the rest of the characters, is not really super memorable. He's really more of, like, a, a narrator and a, a stand-in for the audience while he sees all the craziness going on around him. The, the first half of the movie is about the shenanigans that those three get into, and Gomer Pyle, Private Gomer Pyle, is kind of like the dim-witted idiot. I'm pretty sure. He's, like, portrayed as, like, mentally challenged. Yeah. Parents have any children that live? Sir, yes, sir. How about they regret that? From now on, you're Gomer Pyle. Sir, yes, sir. Which I think is very interesting. I don't know if that was done intentionally, or that's just how that actor decided to, to go about that role. It feels a little bit like it was written that way. Yeah, it seems very much like he should not have passed the, the testing that they went through yeah, to like join the military. Yeah, and, and he keeps screwing up, and every time he screws up, the whole group gets punished. So one of my least favorite scenes, or one of the ones, the scenes that I think is the most difficult to watch is when he's getting beaten with the soap. Yeah. Do it! <laughs> Well, the thing is, is that eventually he's taken under the wing of Joker, and it turns out that Gomer Pyle is he's, a, he's an excellent marksman. It goes on and on, and Sergeant Hartman is a hard-ass to them. He has some of the most famous lines in movie history that we're not allowed to necessarily repeat on this show. Do you suck dicks? Sir, no, sir! Bullshit, I'll bet you could suck a golf ball through a garden hose. Sir, no, sir! He, he's pushing Pyle and the rest of the group, but especially Gomer Pyle, to a point of breaking. Mm -hmm. And I think that it is also a fear of going to Vietnam that eventually drives Private Pyle to kill Sergeant Hartman and then take his own life. Seven, six, two millimeter. Full metal jacket. And yeah. then that's where it cuts. Mm -hmm. Marshall, is there anything about that first half or, or going into the second half that, that you thought was especially memorable? I mean, it was very interesting to see the transformation of Pyle uh, from kind of this worm 
to like knowing exactly what to do with the gun, where to put everything, how to put it together. And then the climactic kind of scene of him just taking out the sergeant and then blowing his own brains out. Yeah. Quite powerful. One thing that I thought was interesting about this hard cut was not only did they completely just wipe everything and now you're in a new location. Mr. Kubrick also went out of his way to eliminate two of the most interesting characters. Yeah. We're moving on. Basically new movie. Yeah. What is that you've got written on your helmet? Born to kill, sir. You write born to kill on your helmet and you wear a peace button. What's that supposed to be? Some kind of sick joke? We start this new movie in South Vietnam and it's during the Tet Offensive. Private Joker has, has risen to the, through the ranks to be a sergeant now and he's also a war correspondent, which is just people like... Like reporters. Yeah, which are reporters working for the military but are providing the information to um, other groups and other correspondences. So he gets switched from his uh, cushy job to go out into the field. And he's sent to, to Fubai, uh, accompanied by his new little buddy, Rafter Man. <laughs> Rafter Man is, is the hype man. <laughs> it's like a little barnacle that clings on to Joker. So they get shipped off behind the lines and they end up in Cowboy's platoon. And uh, then they go off. They're moving to- through uh, Vietnam on their way back to a, to a checkpoint. Yep. And you can tell that it's towards the end of the war. There's a lot of communication and talk at this point about uh, the U.S. losing the, the battles. Mm-hmm. We're introduced to some other incredible characters at this point. There are just two that I want to talk about in specifically, and they're best of friends. Yeah, it's <laughs> like a, they they are from very different backgrounds. One black, one white. They seem to hate each other, and yet they are the best of friends, and they love each other very much. And one of those is Animal Mother, who is like a hardcore psychopath, and one's kind of a soul brother, Eight Ball. And together they make like the yin and yang of this platoon. Yeah. Even with just a few interactions, it really shows they do a cool job of showing their relationship. Now you might not believe it, but under fire, Animal Mother's one of the finest human beings in the world. All he needs is somebody to throw hand grenades at him the rest of his life. Well, as they're moving through their patrol, squad leader is killed by a booby trap, and now Cowboy is in command. And they are moving through a small city, and Eight Ball goes out into the middle of a town square to kind of patrol around, and he is shot by a sniper. This is a very serious and sad scene, especially for Animal Mother, seeing his best friend shot. Yep. Well, Animal Mother is crazy with rage, so he makes it his mission to go out and kill that sniper. As they're attempting to get to this lone behemoth of a (laughs) Vietnamese soldier, uh, one of the best warriors they probably have encountered, Cowboy is is shot and killed. Well, you have a passionate and enraged animal mother, and after after Cowboy is killed, then Joker uh, follows suit, and he is also very upset because he was great friends with Cowboy. So they make it their mission now to take out that sniper, and Joker, he's going through a building... And he turns a corner and he sees the sniper. And he tries to, to shoot the sniper and his gun jams. And when the sniper turns around, it is a young girl, a young Vietnamese girl that was causing this trouble for them. It's also a great indication of what people are driven to when they're into these situations, yeah. what people are capable of at yeah. the very least. Well, his gun is jammed and the, the, the sniper is trying to shoot, shoot Joker. And here comes the savior of the day, Rafter Man. The true hero. Uh, the real hero of the story. 
Actually, I'm pretty sure that, in my opinion, Animal Mother is the real hero of the whole story. I know that's an unpopular opinion, but I don't debate me. Don't at me. <laughs> don't at me. Animal, just Animal Mother is the protagonist of this of this it's, film. Full Metal Jacket 2, Animal Mother's Revenge. Well, that might be coming. <laughs> well, I got a joke for you. I'm going to tear you a new asshole. <laughs> Anyways, the last scene is a haunting march uh, towards their camp, singing the Mickey Mouse march. Uh, a very iconic scene, fire everywhere as it had been throughout the whole film. Yep. Um, and they're singing this kind of joyful tune yeah. as the world around them is crumbling. Yeah. That's actually a big theme of the movie is how the way you change your perspective to, to survive something like this. I think this is, a, this is a fantastic movie. This is probably one of the more artistic and dark films that we've done. Definitely. Yeah. You know, it's not, is so deliberate. It, exactly. It's not one of these horror movies that we, we can laugh about. We can't really laugh about this one. Although there is some funny, there are many funny lines. Yeah. And one thing I think that's important to state for this episode, not to get serious, but that you know we're we're analyzing this from the film perspective. Obviously, <laughs> the trials and tribulations of soldiers in any war is outside of the scope of our. Ability. Oh yeah, we, we have no military background. Yeah, no anything exactly. We're podcasters. We're looking literally just at this film. And yep. I'm. I guess I'm not really sure how. Vietnam veterans think of this movie, I'd be very interested to know sure. what people thought of it. Anyways, Marshall, anything else to add? Did I miss anything? I don't think so. Did, I think Did I do a good job? It, <laughs> it very well. I know that you were complaining earlier about my inability to edit correctly. <laughs> that was off mic, but uh, I'm bring, I'm going to bring it out right in front of the bring people. That back. I'm going to bring it back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I want our audience to know that we have problems just the same as other people. We're not is every We're not perfect. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're like a normal family. Welcome to Dirty Laundry. We just have a podcast. <laughs> Welcome to Dirty Laundry. Well, thank you, Marshall. Your approval means everything to me. <laughs> this is your favorite film, Marsh. What's your favorite scene in your favorite movie? My favorite scene in this movie. Your favorite movie. <laughs> this is your favorite movie. You can't, like, if you say at any point during this podcast that you have another favorite movie, you will be lying. Yeah, because we have to stop and watch that movie instead and mm -hmm. change the whole podcast. And then have a whole other one. We only picked this film because it's your favorite movie, Marsh. So I hate go, this just film. roll with it. <laughs> so what's Sorry. Your favorite part? What's your favorite part of your favorite movie? <laughs> my, my favorite part um, has to be the one that I brought up earlier, Private Joker helping Pyle get over the... Uh, over the obstacle, Joker was willing to stay up at the top of the obstacle and tell him how to tell him how to overcome it. Could it be because you are both an older and younger brother, so you have at different times been both the Joker and the pile? That's deep. <laughs> Most definitely. Yeah, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that favorite part. But no. I'm thinking back, and I'm, I'm looking at this film, and Pile ends up being, for lack of a better term, one of the bad guys. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so I know that he's going to end up murdering Sergeant Hartman. So I, I, I hate watching Joker play role in that. Yeah, you know he right. helps him learn how to how to shoot. He let he he helps him to learn how to load the gun and everything like that. Oh, that's interesting. That's and, an interesting perspective. So it's it's kind of shitty. I think that's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one of one of my favorite parts is when Sergeant Hartman is quizzing the privates on who Charles Whitman and Lee Harvey Oswald are. And Charles Whitman was an individual that uh, took a sniper rifle up to the tower at University of Texas and was uh, killing children there, was killing kids there. Yeah. 
And Lee Harvey Oswald is obviously the individual that murdered JFK. Mm -hmm. And when he's talking about these characters, he suddenly switches the narrative and he says that what do, what do these two have in common? They were both trained by the U.S. military. Yeah. And he says the fam a famous line, something to the effect of, it just shows what a Marine can do with a little willpower. Yeah. Uh, which is, like, crazy. And again, like, we're looking at this strictly from the movie perspective, but that's just, like, such a, a strange perspective on those tragedies. Yeah. Uh, to, to, like, use that to encourage your soldiers to be all they can be. <laughs> because look at what you can do if you, if you just have, like, the guts to do it. My favorite part is kind of just a throwaway line, which I think is fitting for Bit Party. But um, there's a part where Cowboy's platoon is looking down at two dead soldiers. And it's very sad. But uh, one of the soldiers says, poor hand job. He was about to be sent out. He was jerking off ten times a day. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was trying to suggest something about the duality of man, sir. The what? The duality of man, the Jungian thing, sir. Whose side do you want, son? Our side, sir. Don't you love your country? Yes, sir. But how about getting with the program? All right. I think that we have analyzed this film as much as we can. Yep. Uh, Stanley Kubrick <laughs> is a is a masterful director. Yes. And his movies are intense and complex, and we are but silly podcasters. Yep. We cannot possibly fathom the mind of great geniuses. Minds of great geniuses, though, don't make $4 million. That's true. They make a lot more than that. <laughs> no, it's, mm -hmm. it, this, is a, this is a really cool and important film. And, and so if you're, if you're one of those listeners that listen to Bit Party before you see the movie, why? But <laughs> go watch Full Metal Jacket. Sir! Private Joker, why did you join my beloved corps? Sir, to kill, sir! So you're a killer! Sir, yes, sir! Let me see your war face! I think I want to do this new thing. I came up with this idea called Bit Party, <laughs> where we where we pitch a movie about a character that's kind of in the background. Okay, interesting. Yeah, don't know. If what do you think about work. that? I want to take this podcast in a new direction, from summary land to actually doing some real shit. Thunder Milfland. Thunder Milfland. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. No, no, no. I know. I know. I know. I'm, I'm just. I'm just joking. That's the idea for every Bit Party. <laughs> I just thought. I just thought it would be funny. But it wasn't. Um, Brendan. Yes. Would you be interested in pitching a full-length feature movie uh, for the audience and for Marshall and I? I would love to. Let me hit you with this. Two characters that really stood out, two. You're doing part. two? You usually pitch yeah, no bit part character. And here you are. A fantastic job. I'm making two bit part characters because... I feel like they, as you described them before, they're the yin and the yang. You mm -hmm. can't have one without the other. Okay. So my bit parts are Animal Mother and 8-Ball. Awesome. And it stems from the fact that who knows why Animal Mother got his nickname. Maybe it's in the book that this movie was based off, but that's besides the point. The way that I see it is maybe this is a trait that stood out to people because he has total disregard for human life, but maybe he has a soft spot for animals that he finds. Interesting. So I like that, and I thought it would be an interesting story to develop his background, kind of what happens before um, Joker gets to the platoon. But I thought about it as, he's a bad central character. He's too crazy, he's an unreliable narrator. I think we need 8-Ball as this voice of reason 
to guide us through the early military history of Animal Mother. Ah, I see. Yeah. yeah. And keeping him out of trouble, showing, hey, hmm. he's got, like, he's keeping puppies in his tent because, like, they, he found them in the village that was they stormed yesterday. I think that's a cool take on uh, on these two characters, and it also explores their relationship a little bit more, which I think yeah. is a great component of this film. And I also like that it makes Animal Mother this likable and like soft character, yeah. But juxtaposes it against him, probably like going nuts with his Gatling gun. Totally, yeah, yeah. love it. That's good. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, Marshall, I will go next. Did you come up with one? I did. I have. Prove it. <laughs> so, my movie is featuring a person who we only really see in the beginning of the movie. It's uh, Private Snowball, and he is the guy who is, I believe he's Joker's platoon leader. He's the first uh, like private leader or uh, of the group when they first begin boot camp. Yes. I really admire how upbeat he is and how every time he says, yes, sir, it's loud and it's clear and it's yeah he shouts he just seems, yeah with great bravado yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, sir! so that being his persona i figure step it up a notch and um it would kind of be a thing where like when the sergeant is going through and telling everyone their spot where they're supposed to go where they're headed um Snowball would be placed in a thing like like a USO performer. You're, you're talking about um, when he's reading off their uh, their assignments. Exactly. Yes. Oh, okay. So he's yeah. reading off the assignments and he's saying you're going to infantry, you're going to this, you're going to the press corps, and he goes to Snowball and he's like USO. You're going to be an actor. <laughs> he hands him a, t- yeah. he hands him a top yeah. hat and a cane. Yeah. Because of his eccentric personality, instead of being a soldier with a gun, he is supporting the troops through entertainment. And That's right. acting. Going from platoon to platoon. Yeah. Singing the songs. Dance, an adventure. But of course, along the way, he encounters some some need to use his rifle. Yeah. There you go. Okay. So my film, and I haven't, I, have, I should have probably worked a little bit harder to, to come up with like a real story. But I think that the character really carries itself. I think I'm just going to pitch a movie about... The, the female sniper, the young girl sniper. Mm-hmm. And it would just be a down-to-brass-tacks what happened to her that turned her into this killer. Interesting. And she's, in, she's alone in this village, which to me, I can't tell if it was because that was her village that burned to the ground or if she was literally trying to approach enemy soldiers. If she was hiding in there to like actually keep away yeah. American troops. That's yeah. True. Uh, it's very it's very interesting. So what her what would be her story and why would she be uh, there and, and just like really get into you know when she found the gun, how she trained, uh, like the first time she killed an American soldier, mm-hmm. which was probably mm. a traumatic moment for her. Yeah, it could even get to the to make this point, which is that she wasn't necessarily working to fight the Americans. That she'll kill North Vietnamese soldiers. The same as she'll kill American soldiers. She just knows that if you're a soldier with a gun, you're trouble. That's interesting. That's yeah. I never really thought about that character in that way. I like. Thank you. Yeah, I like that take. Are we going? Are we going to the vote now? I think we could vote now. Okay, I'm gonna okay. vote. My, me first place is obviously, but if not mine, I think Marshall's has a lot of potential, and it kind of um, seems like it could be a musical, and that, that's an avenue we haven't explored yet. Oh my god. Yeah. Very fascinating. Akata Boy's production musical. 
Oh, could go mm. Broadway. We could EGOT. We could EGOT. <laughs> this, sets us up, this sets us up to EGOT. We already EGOT. I am... We're so close. <laughs> I am also going to choose mine first. <laughs> but I think my second one would have to also be Marshall's. I think it has oh. a, a very interesting storyline and it's a character that is memorable at the beginning i think that it would be it would be pretty cool to see it from the uso perspective definitely all right marsh it's up to you what's your vote we all have right. we have we're tied for first right now between brendan and mine jared i did like yours as well brendan yours was awesome too but i i, I think mine would be really fun to explore that avenue of a musical it would be fun you know? yeah i think it'd be, be much more fun to talk about on a podcast than a child soldier yeah <laughs> I agree. Well, there's one thing that you won't like, Private Snowball. They don't serve fried chicken and watermelon on a daily basis in my mess hall. Oh, yes, sir. All right, Marshall. Marshall, <laughs> if you don't mind, Marshall, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna ask you a couple questions, but I'm gonna uh, gonna see what you think about these suggestions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Your movie is about Snowball, and yes. when you pitched this movie, you referenced him getting picked up by the USO immediately after training camp like everybody's getting their assignments and he's like you're gonna go to the entertainment yeah yeah and showbiz baby <laughs> you're a star boy. you're a star, star snowball <laughs> and that seemed uh, that seems like a it was a good setup but it seems a little unrealistic mm-hmm. no you're right given that he is a capable soldier <laughs> he's a marine huh? and a marine yes i was thinking if you don't mind maybe toying with this idea that he he does start off in the infantry but Early on in the war, he is hurt very seriously. Oh. oh. He gets hurt. He ends up in a military hospital. And, yes. and he's going to be sent home. And he's got some very severe PTSD at this point because he was in a large battle. Yep. Mm-hmm. And as he is recovering and once he can kind of get up and walk around, he's out at a, at a bar. And maybe he's uh, dared to sing. And people are like, holy shit, <laughs> this guy is actually really good. Wow. Well, what if he's, because his main character trait in the movie is that he just has this raw energy. So what if he's like, so, so good, but the person who, someone discovers him is like, I can use that. Okay. I can make you into something oh. great. Is, is there some reason that you want to take away his ability to sing? This would ruin the plot for you? I mean, no. Can't the man just be able to sing? <laughs> If he could sing, he would have done it already. No, the no, point I... is he was a soldier already. Okay, I, I, it doesn't matter anyway. to me. Okay. I, I think the, the main point is that he is discovered, uh-huh. in quotes, by uh, somebody that's helping to run um, the USO, by a shadowy figure uh, who approaches him afterwards and ends up being a woman uh-huh. who kind of runs the USO shows in, uh, in the south of Vietnam mm-hmm. at this point sure. in the war. And I think he, he has to make this decision between returning home and uh, becoming a person that helps with the morale. Yeah. Hmm. And I think yeah. that he's conflicted between what he's, his, the PTSD that he's dealing with yeah. and his and in, internal struggle and the guilt that he feels about abandoning soldiers. Yeah. Right. What do you think about that? I like that a lot. So then what's his, so that's, that's the beginning. Yeah. That's the setup. That's the setup. Now hit him with the punch. Marshall, do you have any ideas for, for say, like, a, a conflict? Oh, man. The only real, like, conflict I, I could kind of see happening would be, like, an ambush during, like, a USO performance or... Oh. oh. Like, 
Okay, interesting. You know, yeah. I, one thing that I think would possibly this could possibly be in the timeline of the Tet Offensive, mm-hmm. which was a large military com- campaign carried out by the Viet Cong. They could be he could be performing at a show. That they were like, oh, you know, maybe it's a little dangerous, but we haven't seen any action there in a little while, and the troops really need you. And so he goes there, and that's right on, in January 1968 when the Tet Offensive starts. Interesting. I think yeah. that's great. And especially because uh, we find out in, in the actual movie Full Metal Jacket that they had received reports about this, that it was a potential thing, uh-huh. but they received so many of those that they were unsubstantiated. Like uh, Joker talks about that with his superior officer. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Great, and so, and so he's, he's in the middle of the show, and, and things start going kind of haywire. Mm-hmm. They're being attacked, and he is dealing with his PTSD that's kind of crippling him on the stage as, as people around him are fleeing. But eventually he kind of gets his shit together, and he, he's helping people to the evac uh, chopper and yes, getting yeah. people out of there, getting people out of there, and going back and finding injured people. But I'm trying to think of like some part that he sort of overcomes something, but I think that there's one like kind of climactic scene that it's missing. Maybe the last person that he has to go back and save is someone from his own troop. And you mean like his own, like the USO group troop? Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah, from the USO tour, and uh, and and the conflict that's put in front of him uh, maybe mirrors the one that ended with him getting shot in the first place. Oh, okay. The, the Viet Cong oh. broken through. And in this situation, yeah. he has p- struggling with his PTSD, and he has to now, like, he's getting a second chance. I see. And he can come out of it differently this time. I see. So it, the, whatever happens to him in this last scene is sort of reminiscent of whatever, uh, of the moment when he was injured the first time. Mm-hmm. I, I like that this movie has a lot to do with sort of second chances and second like parts of life. That's or, true. Yeah. You know, revitalization. Or, and I really liked how that was super intentional. And totally something I, I did on, on purpose. Yeah, I'm, very, I'm, I'm constantly impressed by you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we sh- should just say, to wrap it up, that it's a happy ending. He gets back to a safe place, mm-hmm. and he has this talent that can help him cope with some of the atrocities that he's witnessed. Yep. And I think that it leaves with a good message. Yep. And it's a rock opera. Should get that out there. Oh yeah, I put that. Up. It's rock. Did I say? Yeah, it's a, no, I don't think we mentioned that. Oh, but yeah, it is. It's like it's it's definitely a musical. It's basically like it's certainly going to top Bohemian Rhapsody easily. Easily, in the box office. Yeah. I think we should maybe cast this movie a little bit. Uh, Marshall, do you have anybody in mind for Snowball? So for Snowball, how do you guys feel about Ray Fisher? Ray Fisher is the guy who played Cyborg. Oh, in the Justice League. Oh, mm-hmm. right, let me look him up and then Good I'll uh, tell you if I approve. Oh, oh, oh! He played the robot one. <laughs> <laughs> you dummy! <laughs> yeah. I, know, I think that that's that's a really good casting. He, he kind of looks a lot like the character that played or the actor that played Snowball in the first movie. Yeah. Um, who else do you think we should cast from this? I think we should cast the the woman that discovers him. Mm-hmm. at that bar in, in Vietnam and brings him on to um, the USO that sees his potential. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also think we should cast his best bud who kind of is helping him through his uh, challenges and is the one that he eventually saves at the very end. Yes. So here is my pitch for the woman that discovers him. 
Ellen DeGeneres. Boom. What do you think? Whoa. Big move. Definitely. Big, mm. big move. Big move. Definitely think, the right, I think she can do it. Definitely the right energy. I feel like um, you don't like it. I mean, I like it. I like Ellen DeGeneres. Is she, is she hard enough? Uh, be, do you think or I don't think I think you're right I think her personality would not does not match up to five years in Vietnam what, <laughs> <laughs> what if let me hit That's you with your this. point That's your point what if we brought on Sons of Anarchies and Futurama's uh, Katie Seagal it's a good one her role in Sons of Anarchy is is exactly kind of the character that I can see her playing in this definitely yeah alright fine take Ellen DeGeneres off the table <laughs> Um, all right, the last one is the buddy, his his best friend, Ben Affleck, also from Justice League fame. Ben Affleck from 1992. <laughs> Armageddon, Ben Affleck. Armageddon's Ben Affleck. <laughs> we will computer generate him into the film. No, I, I have a better idea. What about Colton Haynes? He was in. Uh, Rough Night, which I did not see. He was in San Andreas, which I did not see. Wait. Essentially, I would say that the most important thing that he was in is Arrow. Is he the young beefcake from Arrow? He is the young beefcake from Arrow. I like him. Yeah. I like him. I like his look. Yeah. I think we would need to rough him up around the edges a little bit. Okay. He's got a very, like, modely kind of, like, high cheekbones, pinched look face. Yeah. Um, very handsome. Yeah, he plays Roy, Roy Harper. But he's talented. Arrow. Yeah. I like him a lot. Okay, so he's going to be the BFF. He's got kind of a military look to him. His hair is always kind of tight. But you know what? I I like what what Marshall was bringing up earlier, where this has sort of a, got a musical attribute to it. Uh-huh. And I think it would be cool to also incorporate a number of contemporary musical artists as uh, shows in in the USO. Oh, interesting. You know, That's along the same idea. lines as, I don't know if you saw uh, Luke Cage. Yeah. Where they had actual musicians playing in the club, doing their rehearsals in the club during mm-hmm. a couple scenes. And that was really cool. So I think that would be great to incorporate, uh, you know, people off the top of my head that I really like would be like Kyle uh, is a really good. Good one, yeah. Um, somebody like. Lil Pump. Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> and somebody like RuPaul, I think would also be a, an interesting character to have. She'd be so good in that role. Yeah, I think that would be pretty cool. That's excellent. That really, I feel like that fits the tone really well, too. Yeah, exactly. I love it. I think this is a really good movie. I like it even more than I thought I was going to. Yeah, Especially with, the, with the, the, some of the changes that we made and, and um, how we've cast it. I am ready to name the film. Mm-hmm. And then I would like to hear what you all are going to do with your million dollars. What do you guys think would be the, a good name for this film? So I've got... Another one-word title, which we do a lot, so if you're not happy with doing that again, I have another one. But um, the one-word title would be him, and not him like a, like a guy. It'd be H-Y-M-N, like the song. I like the pun work that you did there a lot. I don't know if it would translate on like a movie poster, only because, I mean, look, I love a pun as much as the next guy. I think that's really, I think it's funny. Um... But without knowing anything, if you just put on a movie poster the word hymn with, like, I don't know, right. dog tags, do you think that that would get across the message of the No. Yeah, because I, right. I, I sometimes okay. think of a hymn in a religious setting, which is, you know. Oh, that's also true. But okay. may or may not be accurate, but let's, see, let's hear the other, the other pitch. Well, the other one is hymn for them. 
it's I don't know if that's any better. Probably worse. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the I, I like the uh, the effort that went into it. Though. I definitely appreciate the fact that you went with the wordplay. Um, We're gonna keep looking. Yeah, but hey, there are no bad ideas in brainstorming. What about this? What about is that you, John Wayne? <laughs> <laughs> is that you, John Wayne? That's a good one. Because it's an actor, John Wayne's an also an actor. Like it, it gets on the idea of being a performer. I don't know. I like that a lot. Yeah. Oh, if like it was a more serious movie, I really wanted to name it uh, Seven Sixty Two Millimeter. Oh. Oh yeah. Pretty cool. The Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. Like that. But. Uh, right. But yeah, uh, it, it's not that serious. No, I mean it is serious. It's going to be a great film, and it's going to be it's going to have very serious tones. But it's a little bit more. It's a slightly more jovial rump than I think that that title gives it. Yeah, lends itself to. What do you, so? What do you, you think? What do you you, you leaning towards? Is that you, John Wayne? I think I'm leaning towards that one. I think that one. But I think if that is also the name of something in the movie, it yeah. makes a lot of sense, and I think that would be great. Yeah, so if, it, if, the, if his show was a little bit westerny themed, yeah, it'd be kind of yeah. cool. That you, John Wayne? Is this me? Who said that? Who the fuck said that? Right, right. we'll go with that. That's a good one. We'll go yeah. that, but only because I'm only letting that one slide because I really want to hear what everybody's uh, ideas for their million dollar. Definitely. Is. Yeah. That me too. Um, Marshall, what are you? What are you gonna get? I'm getting a tank. <laughs> wow. Straight up, my Just, guy. <laughs> you had that. You have one point two five, Marsh. You may be able to get a couple tanks. Nah, a couple tanks. Let's, let's look it up, Brad. Do they let people antique tank for sale? <laughs> I love. It's so cute that they show you pictures of fish tanks. Yeah, that's not. You know the what tank. I want, Google. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, you're in. Oh, what the? F- they don't give prices, but oh no, no. I see a lot for around 35. Oh, it's it's a lot. It, it, this is basically Craigslist for tanks. Well, that's scary. These are deals, Marsh. You could get a fleet of tanks. That's true, but you have to take into consideration gas. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, if, I thought confetti. he would use them more as lawn ornaments. Oh, <laughs> like instead no. of gnomes. Some of them are are pretty uh, are, are nice, Marsh. These are real sweet tanks, baby. Yes. Yeah, Marsh, this is a good idea. These are, like, not that much more expensive than regular cars. <laughs> I think we've stumbled into something huge here. This is very interesting. I don't know where people store these, but, uh, yeah, you could, it's a lot easier to buy a tank than I thought I'm learning right now. <laughs> Bren, do you have a... No, you know what? Let me, let me go first. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mine, as, as many people know, mm-hmm. probably especially our listeners because they're only our friends and family, <laughs> I like to cook. You do. And I find it a little barbaric that I have to buy rice from a grocery store that is not sourced from a farm that I know. That's true. Like some sort of non-famous person. I know. I really hate that. And I really think that you can taste the difference when you farm your own rice. (laughs) So what I'm going to do is I'm going to purchase a plot of land in Vietnam. Oh. And I'm going to have a uh, rice patty. I'm going to grow all my own rice that I use in my cooking. I'm going to hire some of the people that are around there to be the farmers. Wow. I know. I'm really stimulating the economy slash serving my own personal interests. Yeah. I'm, and I'll be the only one that can cook with that rice. Interesting. Fair, That's a fair. lot of rice to use. You have to, like... It's a good point. 
I will not be the only one to cook with that rice. <laughs> That's yeah, a good one. So I just want my own rice patty really in Vietnam. And I'll have a place to stay when I visit. Another win, trip. Win. Another trip. I know. I always find a way to travel, which is my other passion. <laughs> I'm very interesting. <laughs> I'm a very interesting person. <laughs> so my idea, what I think I'm going to do with my 1.25 mil. Uh, y- y'all remember the scene where Sergeant Hartman declares war on jelly donuts? Oh, yeah, I do. And he well, makes Pyle eat the whole donut while everybody's doing push-ups. I was doing push-ups. I thought that was pretty yeah. fucked up. What the fuck is that? What is that, Private Pyle? It's not a jelly donut, sir. A jelly donut? So I think that during the, the Jewish holiday of Rosh Hashanah, when jelly donuts are traditionally eaten, I'll use my money to send $1.25 million worth of jelly donuts to the troops. Wow. That is wonderful. Yeah, actually, if I really did get this million dollars, I would put a lot of it towards a donation to a military organization. That's uh, fair. You That's know? fair. Yeah. I think I find it very important to uh, to help veterans. I would, wa- I would want to give my money to that. So That's if fair. that convinces people to buy this movie, I guess that'll be it. So be it. But that's fine with me. But that's what I would really do. The Marine Corps lives forever, and that means you live forever. Marsh, you you won this episode big yeah. time. Hallelujah! That was great, Marshall. Finally, you had a good showing. <laughs> Just kidding. <Ugh. laughs> Just kidding. You're great. I could tell that you were passionate about this film, Marsh, and it, 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 that makes it better. Some of our other uh, episodes with people where they've featured their favorite film, I've always found that they that they come and they really they play their best game. Yeah, definitely. I think it's uh, probably appropriate to sign us off, Bren. I think so. All right. Thank you all for listening for a bit party of the Cotta Brothers. I'm Brendan Cotta. I'm Jared Cotta. And I'm Marshall Cotta. Look out for is that you, John Wayne, coming to a theater near you. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us at BitPartyPod. If you'd like to send us an email, we're BitPartyPod at gmail.com. Special thank you to our producer, T. Coop. You can check out his music and other projects on his website now. Just go to tcoopmia.com. That's T-C-O-O-P-M-I-A dot com. Join us next time when we blast off to the planet Sakaar to party with the Grand Master. Until then, we're the Cotter Brothers, and this has been Bit Party, our ode to the bit parts that stole our hearts.